Thank you for tuning into the weekly sermon from Journey of Hope, a United Methodist community. We are a welcoming community that fosters belonging and acceptance. Through ministries, we enable individuals to transform their lives as they learn to follow Jesus Christ. We follow the guidance of the Spirit in sharing our faith through missional adventures, building relationships, and offering our witness to our community and world. We serve the Elgin, Illinois area and are located at the corner of Randall Road and Highland. To learn more about us, you can check us out at johumc.org or any of our social media platforms by searching Journey of Hope. And now, here is this week's message. Please rise as you're able for today's scripture reading. We'll start with Leviticus chapter 19, verses 19 through 28. Keep my decrees. Do not mate different kinds of animals. Do not plant your field with two kinds of seed. Do not wear clothing woven of two kinds of material. If a man sleeps with a female slave who is promised to another man, but who has not been ransomed or given her freedom, therefore must be punished, there must be punishment. Yet, they are not to be put to death because she has not been freed. The man, however, must bring a ram to the entrance of the tent of meeting for a guilt offering to the Lord. With the ram of the guilt offering, the priest is to make atonement for him before the Lord for the sin he has committed, and his sin will be forgiven. When you enter the land and plant any kind of fruit tree, regard its fruit as forbidden. For three years you are to consider it forbidden. It must not be eaten. In the fourth year, all of its fruit will be holy, an offering of praise to the Lord. But in the fifth year, you may eat its fruit. In this way, your harvest will be increased I am the Lord, your God. Do not eat any meat with blood still in it. Do not practice divination or seek omens. Do not cut the hair at the sides of your head or clip off the edges of your beard. Do not cut your bodies for the dead or put tattoo marks on yourself. I am the Lord. And now from 1 Corinthians. I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but everything is not constructed. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks, or the Church of God, even as I try to please everyone in every way. For I'm not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. May God bless the reading, hearing, and understanding of his word. All right, so last week we began a series 
looking into some of the most searched questions of the world when it comes to what the Bible and the church say about certain topics. I mean, we live in a day when people, day in an age when people ask many questions and they also search for those answers, sometimes in the wrong places. As people ask questions about faith and God, you would hope that they would look to the, to the church or the Bible for answers. However, it seems that Google is the place for many people. It's so easy to just type a few words into a search bar and find immediate answers, even if they aren't necessarily the right ones. This is where we got our, where our topics for this series, by typing questions into the search bar and allowing predictive text to fill in the blanks. Now, if you're not familiar with predictive text, let me remind you of what we talked about last week. When you're looking for an answer to a certain question or desiring just a little more information about something, you can type your question into your favorite internet search bar, and the rest of the sentence will begin to be filled out for you. So if you typed in Google the following, how do you? You remember last week I gave you a different question. Here's, the, here's one that I did yesterday. How do you? And the top responses as of yesterday were, take a screenshot, copy and paste, get pink eye, Pronounce Qatar. And how do you say I love you in Spanish? It's Tequero, by the way. Uh, you might get a different response if you typed in the question today on how do you. Uh, but these were the top searches in the world for that question. However, this series is all about what the world is asking about the church and the Bible. So after typing in the following, what does the church say about and what does the Bible say about? I took some of those top results and formed this worship series called Sacred Searching. People want to know the answers to these questions and maybe even you are wondering yourselves. See, this is not just a Christian thing, but the entire world is asking these questions. So here we go again. I'm going to invite, encourage you to make sure that you have your, your bulletins handy so that you can jot down notes. If, if the questions come up, you can certainly send questions to me about some of this because we're dealing with some pretty interesting topics. Uh, last week was no different in talking about the death penalty. Uh, and so I'm going to ask you that you pray with me this morning. Gracious and almighty God, God, we have come stronging to hear your word to to hear your message for us. And so, God, I ask that the, that the words that I speak would no longer be my own, but that they would be your words and your message for your people. In Jesus' name, amen. So you might remember that, uh, that I began last week with a couple of warnings. And first was that the internet is not always right. I know that may come as a surprise to some of you, but, but it's true. You can't believe everything that you see and hear uh, on your computers and your smart devices. One of the biggest developments actually over the past couple of years has been the introduction of enhanced or modified videos. I'm not sure if you've run across these or not, but, but things look incredibly real. But when professionals dig a little deeper into the video itself, they find that some have been altered to bring a false message. So you can't believe everything you see and hear. We need to make discernment a part of our time with all of this information. Second is that we should be careful of proof texting in Scripture. The process of finding Scripture passages that support our particular belief or cause and pulling it out of context, ignoring some of the original meaning as we attempt to interpret and discern meaning for our life. 
There is a deep meaning that comes from the context of the ancient Near East in biblical times, and we should never ignore that. And so today we have another topic that people have a tendency to, to feel very strongly about. Tattoos. Maybe some of you have a tattoo or two. Or maybe you feel like they have no place in this world. But we all have an opinion about them. So I want to take a little time and examine some of the historical and cultural thoughts about them, as well as taking a look at the few places where they are mentioned in Scripture. And I do say a few. First, I must tell you that there are not many passages in the Bible that we find about tattoos. Some of what we know comes from the cultural context throughout history and some of the ways that they were used. But when it comes to written words in Scripture, they are few and far between. The passage you heard this morning is the primary passage that is used to speak against tattooing your body. And I must say that I've heard it from a number of people who share the thought that because it's written here, we should never tattoo our body. However, we must not proof text this passage. Leviticus 19.28 tells us that we should not put tattoo marks on, our, on ourselves. I am the Lord. But if we're to look at the immediate context, the first half of that particular passage, we find that we should not cut our bodies for the dead. This is telling us about the cultural context of the day where people would actually cut themselves during a time of mourning for the loss of a loved one. And this is also true of verse 27, where we find that we should not, uh, we should not trim our, the sides of our hair or trim our beards. This was also a mourning practice outside of the church at that time. So then if these two practices were for the time of mourning the death of a loved one, could it be that tattoos were also used for that purpose? And now, i got to tell you that I did a number of uh, research pieces uh, throughout this week. And so I found uh, a piece from, that was written by a couple of professors from the University of Texas at Austin as they examined this in a research paper called The Biblical Prohibition Against Tattooing. Uh, they concluded that the words uh, against tattooing here were not connected to the ones just before it in the practice of mourning. They said this was something on its own. In their research, they found that tattoos were primarily used in the business of slavery and also of idolatry regarding who the people worshipped. And maybe we can see a glimpse of why God didn't want people to put these marks on themselves. Or maybe it was more about what the mark was and not necessarily the practice of it. Don't mark yourselves as you are owned by someone else. But we also need to look at the context of the passage before and after. And here, just for your, your chuckles maybe, <laughs> here are some of the other laws that we heard here in, in chapter 19. Do not mate different kinds of animals. Don't plant two different seeds in your field. Don't wear clothes made of two fabrics. Does anybody in here have any clothes that's not made of two fabrics? And the foreigner who resides among you in your land must be treated as native-born. Love them as yourself. This is in chapter 19. 
How are we doing with all of those laws? Do we follow them? All the ones that I just mentioned? I, th- I think we all know the answer to that question. Now, I'm not saying that we are, if we are to throw one out, that we must throw all of them out. But I do believe we need some discernment with the guidance of the Holy Spirit as we think about this. Many of the, these laws in Leviticus were, were enacted due to health conditions. Many of these were meant to keep people healthy. I guess we could see that so we can see this as a, a non-sterile method of placing marks on people's bodies would certainly be a health issue. I do want to mention one out of the main reasons for tattoos throughout history, though. From the earliest known time, we have evidence that people were marked for ownership. Many of the marks were those of owners who marked their slaves. Now think of this as a cattle farmer who also puts a brand on his livestock, making sure that everyone knows who they belong to. This was the same with markings on a slave. Just in case they got away, the permanent ink on their bodies would tell authorities who they should be returned to. We can certainly see this as a reason that God would not want people to put permanent uh, markings on themselves, showing allegiance or ownership to someone here on earth. But does this hold true today? Are we still prohibited from putting these marks on our skin? Now, we can look for passages that condone tattoos, or maybe even more that prohibited, but in either case, we're going to run into difficulty, as I did this week. There, are just, there just aren't that many that talk about them. There are a couple in Leviticus, like the one that we read this morning, and then uh, another one a little bit later that, that tell us not to. However, there is one other which gives us another direction. It comes from Isaiah 44, verse 5, and it says this, Some will say, I belong to the Lord. Others will call themselves by the name of Jacob. Still others will write on their hand the Lord's and will take the name Israel. Writing on the hand points to ownership, especially slaves. But in this case, it is the allegiance to God. This is knowing who we belong to. So it's talking about writing on your hand the Lord's, as a reminder of who you are and whose you are. However, if this is the historical and cultural setting for tattoos, we should ask if it still holds true today. And I would hope not. Now, while we are in some instances where where tattoos are still used to mark people as members of a certain group of people, we know that there are gang tattoos and other things that that certainly point to a different side, this is not the case for many people. There is an ever-increasing movement of people who love the creativity and the artistic expression of tattoos. The reason for people making permanent marks on their skin are as varied as the marks themselves. Some are a way to remember loved ones. Not necessarily as mourning or grief, but a lifelong memory of of special people and what they meant to them. Others will tell a story about past struggles, encouragement for their everyday lives, and a reminder of who they are, and I said again, whose they are. And so I want to share some of these. I did a a quick poll 
uh, yesterday and asked the Facebook universe uh, about different tattoos. And I got a number of tattoos that were shared. And so I just want to share some of these stories with you today. These come from people that I know. These are their stories. Dun, dun. I feel like I have to say that every time I say those words. Some are in the memory of those loved ones who have passed. So here's the first one. Uh, this is actually, this is Stephanie Severing. This is my daughter. Uh, three little words written by the hand of her great-grandmother. It's also a reminder to say those words as often, uh, because as often when she was growing up, her great-grandmother would always tell her that she loved her when they said goodbye. But she didn't always say it back. And now she tries to remember to say those words as often as she can. The, the next one. This is uh, Kelly Burris. And it's a paw print from her first dog. Uh, the dog, I, I wrote down she was three years old at the time. She wasn't. The dog was three years old at the time. Uh, and her dog just passed away this last July. So it's in memory of her dog. The next one here, uh, while you might think it's Matt Jordan, it's actually Mackenzie Luzine. Uh, in honor of a mentor who passed away when she was younger, it is his signature from a print that she has hanging in her apartment. It's on her dominant hand, so she sees it whenever she draws. Uh, she sees it as, uh, as him signing his work and guiding her hand as she creates artwork of her own. I hear a different story in there, too. Uh, the next one here is uh, Val Sharp. Uh, Val Sharp is a friend of mine back from Rockford, uh, and it's in memory of her father who passed away a few years ago. Uh, she chose the dandelion because some have said that the dandelion will take your wishes to heaven, but it also symbolizes emotional healing. The wishes are floating up from the flower, which, which the stem actually says, your wings were ready. Uh, just in case you can't read that. Uh, but they, the, uh, the wishes are floating up from the flower and transitioning into eagle wing, angel wings, which represent her father as he gathers them in. The tattoo is placed on her left arm, which is her weak arm. And it's a reminder that her dad is always with her all the time, helping her to make her stronger. The next one here is, uh, is Terry Martin, a friend of mine. Uh, and she's got a number of tattoos, but the one she shared with me is this one on her shoulder, which is, has the date of her husband's passing. She has his handwriting just below the infinity heart symbol with the words, until I see you again. And then the next one here is, uh, is Deb Haskell. Uh, Deb Haskell was, uh, was a friend of uh, both Sherry and I's. Uh, Sherry worked with her parents. Uh, at our home church, or her dad. And this is, this is, her, uh, this is in memory of her dad, uh, which is this red cardinal, which is very spiritual. We've heard this story. Uh, her dad's faith was so strong and beautiful, the, uh, the anyway is actually taken from his handwriting. It's after the anyway poem from Mother Teresa about people judging you and how it doesn't matter because it doesn't matter what people think because all that matters is your relationship with God. Now, the why in any way is a little offset, but it's because she always wondered why. Why did he have to die when he did, when they were just getting him right back on the path for his health? And it's on her right foot, 
because she said that she always starts with her right foot. And she wants to make sure she chooses the right path. Now, some other tattoos are in honor of people in, uh, people in their life and as a reminder of who they are. So the next one is a, a cousin of mine, Michelle. Uh, she has this on her foot, and the flowers represent the month in which her, her husband, and her kids were born, and in honor of her family. The next one here is, is Liz. Liz is Michelle's sister, uh, and her, she has this on her shoulder because music is such a big part of her life, and it also incorporates her favorite scripture passage, or passage reminding her to do everything in love. This next one here is a little, uh, a little cryptic. Uh, as you look at this, so I had to ask and make sure I knew what this meant. This is Hunter, uh, Hunter Onley, uh, who is uh, uh, actually a friend of Jessica's from Lanark. Uh, and this is a remind, the reminder on this is because the, the image means, and you see the G there, God is greater than all the highs and lows. You might see that, you might have to turn your head to the side to see that, but... Uh, <laughs> Just a beautiful thing, which is something uh, I believe it was her grandfather had always said. Uh, God is greater than the highs and lows. Uh, this next one is just a, a beautiful tattoo. Uh, and it, there may not be any How to Train Your Dragon fans out there, uh, but if you've ever seen that show, you'll know this is Toothless, uh, the dragon from there. And it really, it, it, it's about Toothless's uh, trainer, which his name is Hiccup. Uh, and so it, this reminds, uh, I'm sorry, this is Todd Scott. This is the lead in the quartet that I sing with. Uh, and so here's a story behind this. Uh, it reminds him that like Hiccup's experience, the young boy, uh, I seldomly heard from my dad, both earthly father and heavenly father, that he was proud of me. Although I know that he is. Now that my earthly dad is losing his cognitive abilities, I'm comforted by the knowledge that he and God love me and my life is always guided by them both. It's a literal and permanent connection to my dad. And also, the red on the bottom there, the red uh, aileron on Toothless's tail, is a reminder that God's work in me is how I maintain my direction and my balance. What a wonderful reminder. And then the last one I have for you here. This is Stacy Lamoureux back from, from Lanark. Uh, this cross is tattooed on her wedding ring finger. Painful, must have been. Uh, but it's to symbolize her love and faith in God and as a reminder that God is first in her marriage. It's not just her husband and herself, but also God right in the middle. There are so many others that I could share. So many other tattoos that I could share with you. And, of course, if you actually want to see some other ones, you can certainly go to my Facebook page. There's a post on there about the tattoos, and there's a number of them that have been shared. Uh, a lot of them I've shared with you this morning. But there are others that are still coming in. Now, while tattoos have been around since the beginning of time, there has been a new movement, which many will, will say began in the 1990s, called the Tattoo Renaissance. In an article that Elise Brown wrote, she talked about how early on tattoos were not something that those who were, say, elevated by society standards would desire. They didn't want to have those. It was normally for those who were marginalized. And some would see it this way as a way to make an invisible body visible again. 
So that's how they could see this. Uh, but now the things are changing uh, within this tattoo renaissance. So let me, let me leave you with this this morning. We talk about sacraments within the church as being an outward sign of an inward grace. It's something visible where we can see and know that God is working, even though God is working on the inside of us. Tattoos are this outward sign of an inward reality, a lifelong commitment. And while in 2013 statistics showed that, the, that those between the ages of 26 and 40, 40% had at least one tattoo, uh, I think we can agree that that number has only increased over this past decade. And so author Anna Keating wrote, Tattoos with religious themes remind us that there are as many different kinds of holiness as there are people, and that the saints of today may look different than those of the past. What remains the same is that the light of Christ shines through them all. Our tattoos can be an opportunity to witness and share about our faith. They can be an opportunity to give a witness to how God has worked and is working in our lives. It's an open door for a conversation as people ask what they mean. Because if you are ever in and around a number of people with tattoos, you will know that that is the question that they ask. They look at it and say, oh, that's a beautiful tattoo. Tell me the story. And it's an op option to then share a story, to share a witness. And so are you ready to share the story of what God has done in your life? Will you play, pray with me? Gracious and almighty God, God, we hear messages that sometimes are, are difficult, sometimes uh, rub us the wrong way. But God, there are times when you invite us to share, to share our stories. And God, while we know that all instances of this are not the greatest as far as tattoos go, God, we know that there are, there are moments when people's lives are changed because of the storytelling that happens. And so God, we do all things for your glory. And we give you all glory and praise today as we tell your story once again. All this I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you stand as you are able as we sing our closing song? What a fitting song. Actually, I'm, I just, you know, I'm blown away sometimes by the way the Spirit works through things. And, and, and especially today as, as we got ready for our offering and we're talking about uh, tattoos and colorful ink and all of a sudden there's a beautiful offertory piece by Chicago. Color my world. How beautiful. Uh, and so now it is time for us to sing in response and say, I love to tell the story. Storytelling, telling our stories. The one, one thing that I failed to mention throughout this message is there's a lot of times when, when we think about tattoos and we think about those who have had tattoos in the past that have meant something uh, possibly even evil. But the way that God redeems. And then those tattoos can tell a story of redemption, 
of what they used to mean and what they mean now to them. Uh, and it is a beautiful thing. There's a number of articles that, uh, that I came across that were written about uh, the way tattoo artists have been able to recreate ones that have taken messages that they didn't like anymore and transform them into something beautiful. And that itself is another story. And so as you go forth, knowing that God wants you to tell your stories, I ask that you tell them to each other. Maybe you go into the community room and, and maybe some of you that, uh, that might have not talked about any tattoos, that might have had one, uh, that will share it and show it. Or maybe you want to share a story of somebody else that you know that has that. And so I encourage you to do that. Uh, share all of those stories with one another. And now go knowing that the love of God, the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit goes with you, and it goes with you always. Amen.